Deep down in your gut, you know there's more to life than waking up for school or work, going through the motions just to get by, and living for the weekend. But you're still scared and uncertain about what your true purpose in life is. Welcome to the Free Time Podcast, your very own community and virtual support group created to help you leverage your free time as a valuable asset so you can start to improve your mindset, learn self-empowerment skills, and ultimately find true fulfillment to move you towards the incredible life that was specifically created for you to live. This is more than a podcast dropping three episodes a week. This is a movement built around real people sharing real stories focused on helping you make the most of your life by becoming super intentional with your time. Brought to you by your host, Carl Sona. Several years ago, Marcus, their CEO, came to town. He, uh, he asked the entire office uh, a question that I'll never forget the answer to. He said, what is every real estate investor's main concern? And everyone gave, you know, 15 different answers. And he just stopped for about 10 seconds and he paused. He said, the next deal. Now, before we begin today's episode, I'd like to make a quick announcement. We're on a mission to build a movement here around the topics of self-empowerment, mental health, and personal fulfillment. These are all some really big topics that we all deal with as human beings, but also they're topics that will look a little different for each of us as individuals. And so I'd love to put a name with the face and learn more about who you are and where you are currently along your journey. So I'm super excited to announce that I'm offering free 15-minute Zoom phone calls with me in order for us to get better acquainted. If you're at all interested in this, please hit the link to my calendar in the show notes below to sign up for a time, and I'll see you there. Now, without further ado, let's jump into our episode today. What's good, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Free Time Podcast. Guys, today's show is going to be a special one. I'm sitting here with one of my best homies, Steve Scuba Scrivener. Steve, what's good, bro? Good afternoon. How are you? <laughs> Steve said good afternoon. It is currently 740 in Denver. Mountain t- what were you saying this morning? Mountain View time? Mountain View time, but sometimes you just lose track of the days. <laughs> you know, it's, it's good afternoon at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, vice versa. Dude, ladies and gentlemen, please excuse my friend Steve. He's coming off of uh, no sleep from the Czech Republic, like what, 48 hours ago? Uh, well, I guess it was about six days ago. Feels like it was about 48 hours ago. I'll tell you. Dude, interesting times. Everybody, there's no surprise. The world is fucking going to shit right now with the coronavirus, COVID-19. I don't want to talk about that right now. Steve, I want to talk about back to some fucking normal days. The good old days. Let's actually take them way back to when we first met because we, we met out here in Denver, but that's not really where we met. Sure, sure. I'll start it back at Scottsdale. I forget the name of the bar. <laughs> so we were at District. Anybody that's been out to Old Town Scottsdale, it's a fucking big playground. It's about four and a half years ago, I think, 2016. That sounds about right. I was living with a girlfriend that I couldn't stand. And so what I would do is, is I would <laughs> take off early for work. Interestingly enough, I was doing a lot of work at Scottsdale at the time, but I would take off early on a Saturday to just go party with my college friends. So this one random Saturday, actually it was a Sunday. Everybody's team was winning. It was a Sunday, fun day at District. Football, yeah, everybody's Football. squad's winning. Everybody's jumping on Packers tables. are up. I think the Eagles are playing the... The Patriots. Something like that. Some shit like that. Like all your homies are Eagles and Patriots fans. And our parties just converged. And we just got to talking. We just made friends immediately. Just made friends. This was back in the day when Snapchat was the shit. (laughs) 
I think we somehow, because I don't remember talking to you there, but we somehow exchanged Snapchats. Yeah, and then for the next like two and a half years, we would just send each other stupid guy shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, women leaving our apartments. I'm embarrassed to say because I got a lovely girlfriend now. But Eating, yeah. Uh, hot dogs at 7 Eleven <laughs> after the bars. That was probably more on my side, but you know, we yeah, all got anyways. Our things. <laughs> anyway, so as life would have it, I can't stay anywhere for more than a year and a half. And so I moved from Atlanta to Nashville. You know, not really thinking a lot about Steve because I think, you know, Snapchat got less cool. I just wasn't on it as much. And then I moved from Nashville to Denver at the beginning of 2018. It was right around two years ago from now. Dude, literally wow. just over two years ago from now because I remember my sister Kiera came out. We went for a hike up to Red Rocks. I posted it on Snapchat and who do you know hits me up? Scuba ski. You're my, you're my hood. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Just anyways, man, we met up and honestly, we haven't, we haven't fucking, you know, batted an eyelash and he's one of my best friends. We'll definitely stand up at my wedding one day. So dude, happy to have you back, man. Glad to be here. So what the hell have you been invited. up to, man? Like, like let the audience know you. This is the free time podcast. Like what have you been up to these days, man? Uh, well, um, I moved uh, to Czech Republic five weeks ago. Five and a half weeks ago, um, tremendous work opportunity, kind of just packed up, went over and decided to go for it. And uh, picked kind of an interesting time to, to take a leap of faith, so you know, find myself exactly uh, where I started five and a half weeks ago, <laughs> living, uh, living out of a suitcase, just trying to take it one step, uh, one step at a time, digest kind of where we're at and figure out you know, how to be a valuable resource to people that, uh, that might need it and just stay connected with people close. Damn, dude, that's real. To, to take it a step back, guys, Steve's in the real estate game here, commercial real estate for a company called Cushman Wakefield. He got recruited to go to Cushman Wakefield from another company named Marcus and Millie Chap, what, like a year ago, bro? Mm -hmm. And so the whole idea was, <laughs> he just took a massive rip, that's all good. <laughs> the whole idea was he was going to go to Cushman and help them fucking do some boss shit, right, and fucking grow their multifamily real estate team. And yes. You, and and you, you were kind of, you were doing it. So, uh, yeah, interesting situation. So sometimes opportunities aren't necessarily in front of your face, but you got to kind of go out and Elbow your way in, if you will. So it's about three years ago, I suppose. I was only about a year and a half into the business and teamed up uh, with a work partner. You know, he looked like he had this look back hair, the nice shirt, the nice tie, the Audi. <laughs> the uh, short tie. The nice watch, you know, all the things. Um, this is at Marcus Millichap. We were selling workforce housing throughout the state of Colorado, doing pretty well. But uh, recognized an opportunity where... We could really grow our business if we weren't facing so much internal competition, which yeah. you know, we all like competition, but if you're not collaborating internally, then how are you supposed to you go out there and do it. fucking do it against your competition? Right, right. So we recognized an opportunity with Cushman and Wakefield. This was two and a half, three years ago-ish. They didn't have an apartment team, a multifamily brokerage team in one of the top five hottest real estate markets in the entire country. So... What better way? Reach out to management, make our case, bring on a couple of young, high energetic guys that have different but comparable skill sets and uh, build a platform from the ground up. So, so real quick, you guys reach out to management at Cushman or they reach out to we you? We reach out to them. Oh, wow. This was about two and a half, three years ago. So you guys were kind of like cheating on Marcus. We were looking for an opportunity to, uh, and a platform to allow us to grow the business that we wanted okay. to. Okay. Okay. If you will. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So... It we reached out, we made our pitch. Six months later, we got the offer. Things were great. I actually remember you giving me a call being like, dude, holy fuck, like, Cushman wants to bring us on. And at the time, 
I was still really new to the real estate space. So I, I didn't really quite understand sure. the competitive landscape and everything, but it was definitely a leap up in the right direction. So you thought. So we thought, yeah, you know, a little bit more, I, I don't want to say respected, maybe fine-tuned firm, if you will, with some top-notch brokers in the market. So a really good opportunity for a young guy like myself with a lot of energy to interact and work with you know top-level brokers in the office, see how big-time deals are done, how prospecting is done, how you leverage and provide information to your clients. So I was, I was really excited about it. Yeah, yeah. Dude, and I'd always kind of like look at what you did from like my lens. You know, I'm in the sales game too. I feel like we're kind of doing the same shit, but in two different arenas, if you will. 100%. But I'd always be like, damn, dude, like that's some fucking hard shit. Like for you to fucking be like sitting at a desk, right? Doing all the research, looking at who owns all the shit in like your, you know, your target market, that being Colorado. Sure. And then they call up these people, like literally like spur of the moment, cold call, like just fucking banging the lines, trying to convince some 70 year old dude that's held on a property for 20 years, why he should sell. Why he like, should sell or uncover wow. what the opportunity is, which is really what, like, the- it's a listing business. They knew it. They knew how we got paid. So but- talk, talk to me about that. Like, how would you leave with the value? Cause like, dude, this guy doesn't, owe, he doesn't know who you are. If anything, you're creating a headache for him. How do you actually like find the fucking courage to muster up, picking the phone, calling the stranger and leading with the value versus being another pain in the ass broker? That's a very good question. So one thing you said about two minutes ago was I was kind of cheating on Marcus. It's funny you say that now that you asked me this question. So several years ago, Marcus, their CEO came in town. He, uh, he asked the entire office a question that I'll never forget the answer to. He said, what is every real estate investor's main concern? And everyone gave, you know, 15 different answers. And he just stopped for about 10 seconds and he paused. He said, the next deal. And I was like, I don't really know what that means. And then I learned, you know, through building relationships with people that are really successful. You know, they're not, they're, there's not a number in mind as far as what their net worth is or what their cash flow is or you know, how many units they have or this or that. They're always looking for a project. They're always looking for their next deal. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you talk to these guys that own 10,000 apartment units and they're like, I started with a duplex. Wow. What I do, I fix it up. I made it nice. I put the rents at a point that I thought I could achieve without leaving much room on the table. Yeah. And then what I would do is I would cash out and I would refi and I'd go buy another one. <laughs> and then I do this and then I do the same fucking thing. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's this ability to take on more projects, take on more headaches, you know, oversee a staff. It's not a team game, but really constantly looking for projects and looking for opportunities to, you know, provide a nice place for people to live or to provide a new develop in a neighborhood that could use it or, or, or something that could better the community. It's always, what's the next deal? Mm. So what I would do, so I would identify my market. I was selling 25 unit apartment buildings up to call it 150 unit apartment buildings. Yeah. Okay, draw a line around the state of Colorado, you know, use my resources, figure out about how many I thought that there were. Who are the owners? What do they care about? The next deal. So what I mean by that is what's the next deal? Not the next deal, not the next property I could buy, but what's something that's a deal? Maybe I get it a little under market. Maybe I get it at a discount. Yeah. So I would call and I would lead. I'm calling what's a good example of a guy that's not listening to the podcast? John Houlihan. John Houlihan is an 80-year-old guy that owns an 85-unit apartment building in a shitty part of Colorado Springs. I worked on transacting a sale for the building right next door for about eight months. So there was multiple times where I was calling John Houlihan. I was trying to figure out what his rents are. Okay. 
Does he see an opportunity to raise his rents? What about the guy next door? What about all the guys next door on the different properties in town? What are some sales that are going on? So if I had a piece of information, I would call and tell him. But I would lead with, Mr. Houlihan, I have a deal that I'm trying to sell. I thought you would be an interested party. Would you be interested? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm not. Okay, I'm pretty, things are going well. Okay, well, would you like me to share the information with you when I sell it? Yeah, sure. Give me a call. Um, okay, great. By the way, John, you know, two blocks down from you, the Royal Lanny Apartments, I, I noticed you're getting about $200 more a month in rents. Your building's just as nice. Are you, are you aware that there's some opportunity that you might be leaving some money on the table? Something that I just hook him hook. to kind of get the read. Is this guy an asshole or is there like a chance if I give him enough information, we might develop a relationship? Right. Maybe I get him to meet at a Starbucks for coffee. feed him information. Just give him information. Give the information and then continue to do it for years and years on end. Then when they might be ready to transact, they're calling you. Wow, dude. And just touch, touch talk to as many people as possible. So what I'm hearing right there is just fucking like crazy long game. It doesn't sound like from this vantage point, calling the guy cold, that you can just walk into this and just expect to transact. Look, if I'm calling John Hulhan or Gary Levinson, who he sold a building called Casa del Rey in Colorado Springs. It's an 83 unit. It's, I get a little teary eyed when I talk about it sometimes for, for reasons we might discuss later. Yeah. But if I call Gary, who owned this 83 unit workforce housing property since 1996. Mm-hmm. When I was six years old, this guy bought this property for $2 million. And I expect him to trust his entire, or part of his retirement, or his family wealth with me. <clears throat> On a first call, I'm out of my fucking mind. Well, I, haven't des- I haven't earned that, right? I could provide him information. I, maybe I call him on the, same, on the right day. Maybe he's in a bad mood. Maybe he just broke up with his work partner, or he's got some maturing debt, or he, some sort of trigger. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that could be an opportunity, but it's not a, you just call him, he's in a good mood, you sell it. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. That makes sense. It's just talking to people, being patient, figuring out a process, knowing what your market is, and sharing information that clients give to you, because yeah. that's where you get your best information with other clients. Yeah, man. I mean, I think this is a key concept that a lot of people can definitely take a lot away from because, you know, the thing about any social interaction, man, if it's you making the cold call like you were talking about, or if it's like you trying to like figure out like what's the end to go say hello to the girl, right? It's all about how can you be more interested in how you can help that person? How can you be more interested in potentially what that person is about or what could help them out versus putting all the pressure on you and being stuck in your mind trying to figure out like how you get what you want. Correct. Or how you make yourself sound fucking smart or how you make, you know what I'm saying? Like when you take the fucking attention off of you and place it on them and really think about like what, what they're going through and what could be of value, it totally creates the opening for you to go ahead and make the ask. And it actually opens up things for room for conversation and, Absolutely. and, and fucking relationship, which is what it's about. But it's a relationship. I, yeah. I, I think a lot of us, you know, we lose sight of that. You know, I, I've certainly been there, myself included. So now you've made a couple cold calls, you know, you're, you're banging the lines, you're starting to get in conversation with these people. They're actually like giving you sit downs. What's that like? You know, first time being a broker or even transitioning to Cushman, doing this at a higher level. Like, are you guys starting to kind of feel like, wow, man, we're doing it. We know the market. That's a good question, Carl. So typically how it would go, and correct me if this isn't the, the, the question you were asking. So, you know, I've been uh, constantly in contact with an owner of an apartment building for, you call it six months, a year, whatever it is. 
we finally get lunch lined up or Starbucks or whatever it is. You know, this guy, you know, the market's hot. He, I'm not the only <laughs> the one that, hot. I'm not the only one that's called him. So, you know, he kind of understands what we're meeting about. Yeah. So what I would do is, you know, I would prepare some information, some market information that has nothing to do with me as far as what's the construction pipeline looking, looking like? What's the employment base? Or are there new any companies coming to town? Things that could have a positive or maybe a negative impact on their property. And then I would bring with them several of my offering memorandums, recent deals that I marketed and put out to the market. Mm-hmm. Just because it's, uh, you know, it's got the pictures, it's got this nice shiny package, and then it's got my contact information with my business card on it. So, you know, I would always leave that with them. It's just put it in their mind, plant that initial seed. Hey, <laughs> if they were going to take this deal to market, what is, how's Steve going to market that? What's Here's that going to look, look like? like? Yeah. People are visual people. And it also has good information in that. So I might tailor it to their apartment building. If there's yeah. in an area with 15 other apartment buildings, maybe I'll put the rental comps in there. Yeah. If any of those properties have recently traded. So that gives them an idea of, okay, on a square footage basis or on a per unit basis in that geographical area, recent sales indicate that you could arrive at this type of price. That, that assumes that these property owners may not even really be aware as to what their property's worth. Correct. Wow. So, so for people listening, man, like don't assume that your target market actually knows what the fuck's going on in your market. You'd be surprised. I mean, I mean cause I, I think there can be like a tendency to want to do that, to be like, well, I know this. So it just seems like it's probably common sense. It just seems like it's common sense. Huh? That's interesting. So anyways, you got the OMS. Tell me about like your favorite deal. You, you alluded to that 83 unit in Colorado Springs. I'm, I'm curious and we can get there when you know the conversation gets there, but Talk to me about a favorite deal or what it's like to actually cross that finish line. Because you've definitely helped us understand that it's a hell of a freaking courting process to actually get the deal across the finish line. I have two favorite deals. Okay. Break them down, bro. One of them's got a sour spot in my, t- in my mouth. Uh, one of them, I just I beat out the top guy in town. So <laughs> that one always just holds a sweet spot. All right. So the first building, Casa del Rey, which was owned uh, by Gary Levinson, who I just mentioned, it's an 83 units, all one bedroom, seven, 1970s construction workforce housing property off of Academy and Galley in Colorado Springs, half a mile from the Citadel Mall. When I was just getting into the business, job number one is just work the phone. It's just set up meetings. All you got to do is just call everybody till you get some meetings. Doesn't matter how, just get them. The more meetings you go on, the more you'll figure out how to tailor to different clients and figure out what information is important, look for triggers, etc. So step one, just work the phones. Two months in, I called this guy, Gary Levinson. He's a cranky old guy, lived in Mexico. On the, he's from Colorado, but decided to move to Mexico for six months of the year. He had been in an ongoing uh, insurance claim with you know, people from Colorado, are probably aware, um, has a lot of hail. So he had been in this battle with the insurance company over a hail claim. He had just about had it. He'd owned this property for about, I think, 18, 19 years at the time. And I just sensed that he was just fucking fed up with it. He didn't say it, but he, he did not say it. <laughs> so I eventually get Gary. I follow up with him for a few months. He comes to the office at Marcus and Millichap. He looks like uh, an animated figure from Toy Story with the cowboy hat. And then he's got like just a really dirty beard. And I was just like, this fucking guy. Not the person that comes to mind when you think fucking apartment. In Not a guy that's owning a six and a half million dollar apartment. Building. So Gary shows up for a potential refinance, which uh, to all you non-real estate people out there, which means that you restructure your debt. I think a lot of people think that you just pull out equity on an appreciation, but sometimes you could refinance and restructure your debt to a lower interest rate. 
There's a million other ways, but that's a high-level overview. Come to find out our company was not able to meet his needs, uh, I think based on timing, you know, et cetera. It was, we were a little late to the table, if you will. So I just continued to follow up with him and see what's going on in the world. Can I provide you information? You know, are you, did you ever get that insurance thing figured out? Here's some rents on your, your, your neighbors, et cetera. So eventually he just said, you know, I'd probably sell right now if you brought me an offer. He said that. It took a year and a half, but eventually he just said it, which you don't get that on the first call, but you get it on like the 12th. Yeah. Yeah. One of my other clients that I was working with was looking for a property to acquire in about that price range. He was looking to do what's known as a 1031 exchange, which you sell a piece of real estate. And if in a certain period of time, you take those proceeds and buy an equal or larger property, you can have some tax deferred gains. That's how people build uh, or amass such big wealth in real estate. So I knew the other client was looking for this deal. He just said he might look at a sale. I go, I set up the meeting with the, the initial guy the following day, show him the financial information, and we just hash it out over 12 hours. 26, 27 years old. I got a six and a half million dollar deal. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I just know, okay, if I ask enough questions, I got the right guys in the office that can help me along the way. Wow. Put the deal together. The buyer of the property is a guy. Um, so that, that's the deal that holds near and dear to my heart. That's a good portion of the story. But the buyer of that property told me he was going to sell it in 18 months. He was going to repaint it, do the parking lot, renovate 40% of the units, kick out the bad tenants kind of thing, and hopefully get it reappraised and sell it in 18 months. 18 months to roll around, and we had been in constant communication, but he, he said it was time he might look at an offer. He didn't want to list the property, so it was really just me going out and finding the right investor. So being in constant contact with all of the owners and investors in the market, there was a group out of California, I'll leave their name out, but they owned $100 million worth of apartments within a two and a half mile radius. So seemed like a logical buyer for me. Call the guy, send him the numbers. He's in town the next week. We tour, we put it under contract for four and a half months. I get through the inspection. I get the price agreed upon. I get the financing locked up. I do the environmental survey. I get the phase one and the phase two. All the due diligence. Title company's already engaged. We're supposed to close in 25 days. Right around when I'm trying to go to Europe. Mm. Then the deal falls apart. Wow. Because the buyer couldn't perform. Yeah. And that's just shit that you just got to go through. That's like, that was a long explanation, but no, it's I a really hot and cold deal. I mean, dude, I thank you for sharing all that shit, man, because I know that was a big slap on the chin. And, you know, we talk all the time about eating shit, right, and, and, and building up a, a calloused surface, if you will, to where we can eat shit, get back up, eat shit, get back up. And that deal, bro was eating shit and getting back up. Just nonstop. Just every little thing just kept coming up. And wow. that's part of being a broker is you have to be able to balance, manage expectations, yeah. and sometimes shit's just out of your control. Yeah, yeah, man. Another thing I really liked that you touched on was you get that on the 12th call. Like, I think there's so many of us that just, like, expect to walk into an interaction and immediately, like, debit that out of you know our counterpart that we want and walk out and just that's it like we just expect shit immediately and i think a lot of people 
have fucking really skewed perspectives when they fucking go the first time, the second, maybe the third, and they expect to have it and they fucking give up. Like you talked about, you get that on the 12th try, like a year and a half into this thing. So I'm wanting to really hit that fucking home because that skewed fucking perspective on how quickly things should happen or how fast the fucking transaction should hit really fucks up our our fucking productivity and our output, man, because we're fucking swinging for the fences, great, but we're coming out the gates and then we're quickly just like retreating shortly thereafter because I think like we think something's wrong with us. I think there's such a perception to have a short-term result in our head and that like really measures our, our success, which is not always the case. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. And you know, a, a lot of it could be everything we see right now, man. I mean, social's never been hotter, right? Like. There's a lot of fucking people on the internet that maybe are doing it, some aren't fucking doing it. And whatever the case may be, that image is portrayed. And we're like, fuck, like, dude, we're in sales. How many times have you compared yourself to, you know, one of your direct competitors, one of your counterparts in the office, myself, whatever? Like, it's hard sales. not to when they it's send out the to. list. Right? You see it? Everybody, I mean, we're, we're it's a production-based business. It's produ- we're results-driven. We fucking, at least if you're like me, put so much of our identity onto that number that's so transparent. It can feel fucking very naked. I think that's one of the hardest things is like the mental aspect of it. Not just when you're in the fucking arena or in the marketplace, like fetching down the target, but also like behind closed doors. When you're fucking putting on your shoes, it's fucking 5.30. You gotta go crank out a workout before you like take your first coffee meeting of the day. And you're like, damn, man, like, could this interaction progress to like help me get that number? 100%. It's It's impossible to not think about. So, guys, that's the show for the day, man. I wanted to have my homie Steve on because he's a real one. This dude has fucking achieved so much, honestly, in a short amount of time, but continues to fucking just take it on the chin, stand up, and just continues to press on, man. And I just, I want to commend you for that, bro. And I think it's something that we're all going to really need to embody during these fucking challenging times ahead. I mean, very turbulent, stormy fucking times that if you're what they consider a millennial listening to this, you fucking never lived through this fucking shit that we're going through right now. You know, I think there's a lot that's about to change and it's going to really take a level of flexibility and just fucking sheer resilience and adaptation to see this thing through. So Steve and I are going to be hopping on here a little bit more regularly, probably about one time a week just coming at you with some great content, some great nuggets as far as things that you could be doing to be more productive. But I want to encourage everybody to fucking show up for yourselves, man. See this as an opportunity to prove that you are resilient, to prove that you are tough. If there's ever been a doubt in your mind, this is your opportunity to go. It's what I'm doing. It's what I'm reinforcing with myself on a daily basis. And I hope you're doing the same. Guys, be well, be safe. And I'll see you in the next one. Peace. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised. So there's no better time than the present to get into the arena of your life and to start moving towards your purpose and potential. Peace. Hey, I want to personally thank you again for tuning in. At the end of the day, I really do believe that we're all in this game of life to help one another out. And that the best way we can do this is through sharing our stories more openly and honestly. And so, if you like the show, please take a quick minute to leave us a rating, drop us a review, and subscribe for more. Also, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better and hear your story. Please head over to carlsona.com slash chat, that's carl with a K, S-O-N-A dot com slash chat, to book a 15-minute free Zoom call with me, and I can't wait to see you there.